on death and dying. Welcome to Tales of Recovery. My name is Gris Alves. I am your host. And we're going to talk about death and dying today. I have, uh, I received a couple of days ago a message from a friend, Mindy, about just how much of the podcast that I that I recorded on my mom um, when she died. Hold on a second. There's someone at the door. Fuck. Okay, I'm back. Sorry, but this is an unedited, raw and real podcast, so too bad. So sad. Anyway, the podcast that I recorded, Walking My Mother Home, as soon as she died, it was basically like a recap of the whole year and a half uh, prior to her death, what we went through, you know, the emotional work, the forgiving, the coming together as a family, and really helping her come to terms with the fact that her life was ending. Just keeping it real and, uh, you know, creating a space for this natural thing to happen. We had the at-home viewing um, and just bringing the sanctity back to death is basically what was the what was the purpose of what we intentionally created with my mom and her death. And so I've had a couple of people write to me like telling me not just the impact on, you know, just that, you know, that it's always nice to hear somebody else's story and the love and connection, but also how it has made them look into the way they want, the way they see death or that uh, how do they talk to somebody who's close to them that's about to die or even that you know some older friends that are about my parents age and that they you know you don't really talk about preparing for death i think there's a death phobia in our society and um that's really some of the work that is interesting that needs to get done really that needs to get looked at because why are we scared of death i mean it's not you know it's nobody wants to leave and everybody pretends that the younger you are, the fitter you look, that this isn't happening. Well, it's happening. It's happening and it's not like this is a morbid thought to constantly have, but it's just an examination of a daily living. How are you living? Because the better you prepare to die, the more you come to terms with that, the better you're going to live. And there's different aspects of, of, um, of this there's of course like do you have something in writing like do you have a will what do you want to happen with your dog when you die or you know with the mortgage payment or your kids or whatever needs to be legally you know transferred to somebody else that's one part of it the other part of it is really like what's your legacy like how can you leave somebody's um side and and feel okay with it you know you're going to leave people here so can you leave them with some beautiful letters or rituals or ceremonies or uh, a constant gratitude. The way I try to live my life lately is with constant gratitude, mostly because I just saw death six months ago. So I'm very, very much aware currently that it happens, you know, and, and I think we come into touch with it as, you know, as we're growing up, maybe you had somebody that died when you were young, or maybe you never have really seen anybody die. And it's this like superstitious thing of like, okay, if I don't talk about death, if I don't see any dead people, then it's fine. I'm not going to go there. And so when you're confronted by death, if you live like this, avoiding it, when you're confronted by death, it's like a quickening of the spirit, right? It's like, oh shit, I better get my shit together quickly before this is over. And it's, it's not necessary. I think the more we normalize that, you know, you have a flower, you go to the flower shop, you bring a flower home, it lasts a few days, maybe a week, 
and then it withers away and it dies and you if you're you know if you're nice you go put it back in the earth instead of putting it in the trash or put it in your compost or just you know and allow it to get back into the soil and that feeds the soil and something else will grow eventually in on that soil and everything dies like the trees the animals the plants and so this idea that we're invincible i think is kind of cool I think the, the the reason we think we're invincible is because deep down we know that there's something else that goes on after we die. But these bodies that we have right here are definitely, you know, um, I'm not sure how you expire. They will expire. They will um, either get sick or just get old and or an accident or something will happen and we will have to leave the bodies. So I've been thinking a lot about how to trust in this process because our bodies want to live they want to survive you know if you've ever um, practiced mindfulness meditations with me you'll notice that I'm constantly talking about how notice how your body wants to breathe your body wants to live this is why you feel anger and emotions and and this you know because your body's giving you signals of survival we are wired to survive and we want to live so of course dying is like goes against this instinct of survival which is why we need to get fucking spiritual as fuck sooner than later because the more you are in contact with your inside right what are those anxieties that your body feels what are those emotions what are those fears that we don't want to face and what are we what do we need to work out in this life that is for us in this life and not for others parents society schools whatever culture for us that is the work that I think the deeper we go into that um, in ceremonies and practicing meditation and prayer and whatever you want to do and and then in and then in turn into an action of love for yourself and for others you begin to work out this nectar of what really life is and an awareness of this richness of this nectar might help for when you're ready to die or when death comes um, because you're not regretting having avoided this deep question of why am I here I think we've been spoon-fed well you're here to you know go to work and pay the bills or to have three or four babies or you have to have success in this and this and that or like you know whatever whatever is the spoon-fed medicine where you're where you grow where you grow up and that they tell you that these are the shoulds for your life to be purposeful or meaningful and really you know we come to realize that the only <laughs> the only thing we come to to do in this earth is to love and be loved and to belong and to be in awe of like the beauty and just mm, the gift of being in this body uh, you know and that might not always feel that way but so Back to my friend Mindy, who sent the the email, you know, and her dad is struggling with cancer, and she just so, said to me, you know, I I come back on the on the May on the podcast to lean on like some of the stuff that you you did with your mom, and so I thought about like how can we talk to somebody about death before they're on their deathbed or even if they are or even if they're healing or whatever at any point for example i have my 85 year old dad here 
And I bring it up once in a while, like, hey, what are we going to do when you die? Or like, what are you thinking about death? Or like, honestly, dad, I, I really want to tell you, I'm not talking about this because I think you need to die or you're going to die tomorrow. I might die before you. The reason I'm bringing this up is because I want you to know that I'm really glad that you're my dad. And these are some of the things that I want to tell you. Like, I remember when you walked into my elementary school, it was probably second grade, maybe third. I don't know. I don't know why you came to the classroom probably to like take me out of school early or something. But I remember seeing you walk in and you were like this tall, super handsome dude. I remember, remember the teacher, Miss Julieta, looked up and was like, oh, ooh. And he's like, I'm here for my daughter. Honestly, to me, it was like, whoa. Yeah, bitches, I'm leaving in with my dad. It was such an impressive moment. And I always remember you also like coming home saying, where's my kids? Where are my kids? And my brother and sister and I would hide in the same place over and over again every day giggling thinking you weren't going to find us and you pretended you were looking for us and then finally you found us where we were hiding all the time the same exact place and tickled us and welcomed we welcomed you home and you know like teaching me to drive and sending me to school and or driving us to school and then um you know, yeah, there were some heavy moments here in the teenage years where I like try to run away and you're like, don't run away and this and that. But you've always been steady and always fought for the family. And um, even though I know you're like patriarchy mindset and there's certain judgments that you have because of your belief systems, I still did whatever the fuck I wanted. And I know you came here for me to learn this liberation and this freedom. I know my grandfather who was super strict with my mom and everybody else told you once, or at least this is what you said to me, um, you need to tell the kids to do this and this and why don't you tell them to, you know, to do what you say. And I, I think it was about, you know, choosing careers or lifestyles. And you said to my grandfather, which would have been your father-in-law, well, my children are free to choose whatever they want to do in this life. And I am not going to put them in a prison. Which I thought was woke as fuck. And I am very grateful for that. You know, you're always very lighthearted and laughing and lovable. And and that's what I want to tell you before you die. Or before I die when I walk out on the street. Now, there may be some shit we need to work out. They might also we might also need to talk about and then that's something you can decide but what the point i'm getting at is you we can talk about these things with our with our parents with our loved ones with our friends um just like as a regular conversation not maybe 24 hours a day seven days a week right but you can at least try to bring it up once a week you know what i'm really grateful for your life because of this and this and that and i know that eventually we will transcend and move on somewhere else I don't know exactly what's going to happen or what, but while I'm here right now, I appreciate you. And here's a couple of memories that I might want to tell you about that I thought were cool or that I felt hurtful, that I felt hurt about. And can we, can we just talk about it? Or maybe can I just ask for your forgiveness because of X, Y, Z. And the thing is, as uncomfortable that these conversations might feel, it's good to be uncomfortable and also they're necessary. Um, you know, I was talking to the grief counselor a couple of weeks ago about my mom and this and that. And then she sent me a letter and one of the exercises in the letter for grief release was or for grief processing was to write a gratitude letter, right? Like all the stuff you're grateful for 
and then have some sort of ceremony like you know or read it to another person like read it to my daughter or to somebody else in the family and just remember her and I just started thinking like yeah that would be amazing and I'm going to do that but I also did do that like I told her to her face things that I would not have told her if I didn't know that you know that her body was going to just give out pretty soon um, I told her that like a year before she died and then of course the month before she died it was like a constant thank you thank you crying and bawling and just holding on to each other and just like oh shit the goodbyes are so hard they're so hard because there's so much love. And ultimately, I think, you know, we're born from love and die into love. And if we can surpass, if we can evolve past the fight or flight, like the fear mode of our bodies, through breath, through dance, through music, through community, through whatever the hell you need to grab onto or like try out or practice. But if you, if we can get a deeper understanding of this love, we can surpass the fear of what other people are going to say. And, you know, you might have a friend that has cancer, or maybe you have cancer, or maybe you're going to go, I don't know, you know, get some blood work done. And you might be tripping like, oh shit. And, and I'm not saying nobody's ever going to be scared or that you don't, but we embrace this fear. We like create a space for it. It's like, you know, I'm really afraid that you might die. Or actually, I'm really afraid that I might die. And I'm so scared because I am so aware of how precious this life is. And, you know, then you go, you take the, the test, you're fine, phew, and then what? Back to drinking the Kool-Aid again? I think if the more we are aware of this closeness to death, the more we can create a sacredness of everything. Like pouring your coffee in the morning is sacred. Taking a flower from your garden removing the petals and putting them in a little altar and lighting a candle is sacred giving thanks for this another day of breath of having someone to love and connect with washing the dishes with a mantra of thank you for this water that is washing my dishes i mean these simple things are like i think we take them for granted but like peeling an orange and actually eating the orange or having you know the opportunity to have a conversation with someone with anyone you're just communicating with another person whoa like that is a trip so it's really about changing the perspective of you know that this is going to end and so there's a couple of things that you know that you learn when you're at study thanatology it's like really an accompanying of any kind of loss not just when you're dying, you're lost, but any type of loss is like, you know, maybe a divorce or you lost all of your money or you lost your dog or you lost um, a bet. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You lost a game. Anything that you lose is a loss. And it's like a small, you know, awareness of the impermanence of things. You no longer have this dog. You got run over by the truck or whatever. You no longer have the money you thought you had because you know, you lost it all, you spent, you no longer have a husband because, I don't know, he left you or you know, so all of these are opportunities to learn that we are so resilient and that we are capable of um, experiencing these losses without, well, maybe you do lose your shit a little bit, but you know, without, just 
the ability that we have to uh, in these bodies to like alchemize this loss to be aware of it to grieve it to cry it and that's one of the other things is like we don't really know how to grieve because we avoid all sorts of losses um we're not really trained to know okay this is okay to cry and to feel angry because because you're you're pissed off that you lost something and how does that feel in your body ah, i want to scream i want to you know throw some plates against the wall and break something or run 75 miles okay that's good that will process this anger in your body and then if you can't then you do something else you know you you take a, a long shower or you jump in the ocean or the lake uh, you talk to somebody you process it and so we're not really you know even when a kid starts to cry oh don't cry don't cry don't cry you're gonna be fine how about we just normalize crying normalize it you're crying you feel sad I see you I see that you're sad must be sad to lose a game or your toy or not be able to get what you want is that an emotion that is coming up in your body do you feel the sensation of heat in your chest and on your cheeks yeah yeah that's what emo that's what humans do we feel can you notice that feeling what if we trained our kids to do that what if we train ourselves to do that instead of like no keep on trucking don't feel anything avoid everything no one's gonna die no we're dying and it's happening and so what what we what happens when we don't train to feel and to process emotions of loss grief anger whatever because we just want the good ones right we just want pleasure and in order and so when we learn to do these other emotions then it's easier to confront the sadness of goodbyes because it's sad I mean no matter how much you prepare for a death it's still sad it could be very sacred and very holy and the transcendent is just like when you're in the space of one realm and the other you just feel held I felt held for so long until Right now, it's been really hard, I have to say. Six months into it, it's like, oh, shit, she really is dead. My mom, whoa, this is a trip. Whew, I'm barely beginning to be able to breathe again. It's been really a rough last 40 days. But when you're first there, well, like when the person is like about to die, and then after the day, you're so like taking care of them and being present in their, if you can, if you're prepared for it, and you're willing and open, of course, you could be completely avoiding it and thinking it's, you know, but if you're there present, like aware that this is ending, what are you seeing? Who are you talking to? Um, what's happening right now? What are you feeling in your emotions? Tell me, how can I help you? Do you want me to just shut up? Do you want me to rub your feet? Light more incense? Like, let's pray, let's meditate, let's hold hands. When you're aware in that, it's just like you're being held in this bubble of love and like the realm of coming and going and coming and going. It's amazing. And then, you know, of course, afterwards, it's, it's you're just... It's just hard. You're kind of held, but then you're kind of hard. And everybody experiences it in their own way, of course. But I think the more um, we normalize death um, and aware and, and become aware that there's small little deaths every day, then it brightens up the aliveness, right? Because it's not like you're freaking out, worrying about, I don't want to die. Because that's the other thing that can happen is, I'm going to eat all plant-based and work out every day and drink five gallons of water because I don't want to die a horrible death or I just don't want to die and I want to be healthy so I can live longer. And that is fear motivated. But if you, you know, you can do that, but if your motivation is, I want to love and appreciate and oh my God, this body is so 
precious to incarnate like this soul in my vehicle that I'm walking on this planet with. This avatar is dope. And I really want to live and dance and enjoy. Now, that's a different motivation. And it can vary from day to day because that's what life is. One day you feel good, the next day you don't. But we can also normalize that. We can normalize that it's difficult being a human. And and as we normalize that it's hard, we can normalize hard conversations about death and dying and about the importance of doing a really like a daily remembering that this is temporary, there's impermanence, and that really we have the opportunity to heal whatever needs to be healed and to have pleasure and a good time. Not 100% just partying and not responsibility. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the allowance, the allowing of beauty and pleasure to come through. And that's one of the things that you heal as you begin to look towards death, right? You, you begin to notice that you've held back and that you've not allowed yourself this or that because of what people said or what religion said or what your parents said or whatever. And you've, you've held back from loving yourself, from allowing these gifts because you didn't think you were enough or, you know, the self-loathing or this or that issue or whatever you came from or the struggles that you had to go through. And that's one of the things that is important to look at as we just notice that this is going to end. How long do we want to hold on to that unforgiveness? How long do we want to hold on to that continuous suffering emotion that maybe we're addicted to? Because pain is pain it's inevitable but suffering is optional you know the, the more you ruminate in it so when you learn to notice your mind how it works with your emotions how it works in your physical body and how there is something bigger which is breath that can help you work this thing out notice it feel it live it you're able to let go of certain things certain ideas certain emotions certain thoughts and then of course have a constant gratitude um, that may or may not continue to grow every day. You know, it just depends because sometimes, fuck, man, shit happens and it's hard. You know, and recently it's been very difficult because clearly a lot more people are, well, I think people are dying all the time, but it's more in our face right now with the whole COVID thing. Like, so many more dead, so many more dead. Yeah, well, a lot of other people die all the time, but we're just not getting f fed in the media. But let's use this opportunity to realize how terminal we are, or at least our bodies are. Instead of avoiding it and getting shit-faced every day, confronting it with love, with, with community, not alone, ever. You never have to do this shit alone. But the more you look at it and notice, like, why am I angry all the time? Why am I scared all the time? Why am I constantly suffering? You know, acknowledging the grief and then alchemizing talking about it, figuring it out, and, and noticing how difficult it is and having lots and lots of self-compassion, especially if your loved one's on the deathbed and they may or may not make it. Dude, that's got to be... I remember my friend Cindy when she was about to die. She was diagnosed with cancer around July or August of one year. I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. I don't remember. It's been a while now. And she died the next year in June. So it was a quick, I mean, first, you know, she tried and chemo and this and that, and then she did the raw diet. And long story short is, 
when uh, I was with her in the hospital when the, when the doctors came back and told her that well I mean I walked in and she was crying she said they just told me it's in my lungs it's everywhere now and I was like oh I remember she reached out with her arms like, you know, like, give me a hug. Like, what are you doing sitting over there? And I went over there. I mean, I was learning, you know, I'm like, oh, fuck, we held each other and we were crying. And it was like, it's like, fuck. I mean, she had two young daughters. And it was basically from there, get a nice room to the hospice and just waiting, you know, waiting for it. And I would come. Um, I was like, I'll, I'll walk with you till the end. She says, you're going to come every day to see me? And I promise, yes, every day I'll come to see you. And every day I went to see her. Um, and I remember bringing some music, you know, you want to hear some music? Sure. Or we talk about something else. And, and, uh, and yeah, I remember one of the songs that I brought her was something about being brave and this and that. And she was just crying, 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 like regretting not having gone to Paris or not having done this or that. And I suppose it's part of the end of life is you do regret a few things. But I remember telling her, you know, man, you love so well. I mean, to me, I'd never had a friend like me like that. That would actually call me straight up like in the middle of no, just because and come hang out and we miss you and let's do this and let's do that. Her friendship to me had been just very healing. And I love her so much. I just told her, like, look, dude, the main thing we do here is love. And you've loved so hard, so well. I don't really think she found that much comfort in it. But, um, you know, it was just, I don't know. It was just a time of goodbye, and it was sad, I guess. But then, you know, the next day I'd come by, and her friend, Tara says she woke up, and she's like, oh, man, I'm still here. Like, she was ready. You know, she saw her dad and one of their best friends. So it's like, I don't know. I think like people come and get you, your loved ones, show you the way or, you know, and I'm cynical about saying that just because I'm very much anti, you know, religion now. But I do think there's something to it <laughs> to know this. Uh, there's something just magical about coming and going into this realm. So, you know. I guess the main thing is to embrace that magic. The The purpose really of this podcast is to normalize talking about death, to know that it's okay to be scared, to know that there's so many resources out there for us to reach out to and discuss and talk about it and just meditate and pray and notice that we're not the only ones that are tripping about this and that the more we are able to be aware that we have agency over our life, gratitude agency and you know really wanting doing what you want to do if you if you're in a stuck in a job right now that you hate well then plan your escape save some money create a business do something else move in with other people and share the rent whatever you need to do in order to have a life that you're proud of and enjoying to the degree that you can do that do that because why not you know there's always a way and As hard as it may be, this is your one chance. This is our one and only life, at least for now that we know of anyway. And so I would encourage whoever has somebody who's sick or maybe going to die soon 
to not be afraid of saying, hey, if you die or in case you die, just because then, oh, it's a superstitious and now you've said the death word and now they're going to die. No, simply just, I just want you to know, and this is what I would do with my mom. In case I die, mom, because I might die before you, I want you to know this. And I want to say thank you for that. And then, of course, you know, um, she, my mom would say, well, don't say that. Well, mom, what do you mean? What do you think? We're never going to get wrinkles. We're never going to get a little wobbly in the cheeks. We're never going to be hurting from the kidney or the liver or the heart or something. Like, it's just like a car isn't going to drive 50,000 years. A car is going to have an end. But may we drive the motherfucking car like there's no tomorrow. Fucking rooftop down, cruising along Big Sur and just seeing all the beauty that there is. All the water, all the sky, all the sun, all the elements, all of this magic that we come from. And, uh, yeah, maybe we remember with each breath that we belong to each other and that we are all one and that we're not alone. Love and light, everybody. Take care. <laughs>